0: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast.
1: Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Tuesday, June 9th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. And the economy is reopening in phases. What I think yesterday was phase one for New York. Here in Southern California, uh, we're approaching phase three, I, I believe, in Orange County. So uh, you know things are getting back uh, to, to the way they used to be somewhat, uh, and the market as well is, is has reopened right to the uh, to the upside, and a lot of people. A lot of investors are trying to make sense of this, right? We're 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 down today. Uh, I think yesterday closed slightly, uh, slightly up on the S and P for the year. Now we're probably slightly down on the year. I have to go look at the numbers exactly, but you know we're now vacillating around that flat line for the year, like nothing happened. Well, let's kind of recap what what has happened in order for us to, and, and what is needed for this to be sustained. Okay. Uh, so we can understand kind of the full picture. Now the market has started to price in a return to normal. And some of that is just simply been from your gamblers, your Robin hooders, right? Who, you know, gamblers, they can't gamble on sports. So Hey, might as well gamble on the markets. There's a lot of people, they just need that fix. Right. There's, uh, what's the g- guy from Bar- Barstool Sports, Portnoy? He had a thing yesterday saying, he's better than Warren Buffett. I don't know if that's a sign of the top, but I thought that was pretty interesting. And you can see Robin Hooders buying up bankrupt companies, right? Chesapeake-, Chesapeake was up over 100% yesterday. Uh, and then they filed for bankruptcy today. So, you know, you just see this misallocation of capital of all this money that's flooding into, uh, the market from stimulus. And a lot of this stimulus, a lot of the money going to the market is stimulus from these unemployment checks, right? How we talk about how a lot of people have excess money. They're making more than they were before. Well, what are they going to do with that? Well, they might as well, you know, try to make more with it, right? And that's happening a a lot. And the big question the market has to ask itself is, is there enough, is there enough stimulus out there to sustain the economy going forward. So let's look at a few things, a few factors that need to be considered. One is starting the end of this month, you're going to have the roll off of the forbearance on things like car loans, credit card payments, right? Most of those were for, in forbearance for about three months April, May, June. So that's one. Number two is July is the end of the Extra unemployment benefits, right? The extra $600 a week that people are making on top of normal unemployment benefits that is allowing, uh, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of 70% are earning more than they would if they were working. So that's just to roll off how much will be extended. What does the next stimulus package look like? I know that the... Uh, Was it Speaker of the House? I said the name this morning. (laughs) Uh, I forget the name, it's off the top of my head. But he's pushing back on the stimulus size and saying, you know, he's kind of waking up to how much money we're spending. And at the end of September, we have the roll off of mortgage forbearance, right? Mortgage forbearance is typically uh, six months. So those are very important because once you have to go back to paying this debt and you're not getting making more than you were before, how much of that is flowing into the economy, flowing into the market? Okay, So those are important dates. And that feeds in, like I said, to the stimulus. Will the stimulus be big enough? Now we know that the Fed is going to enable Congress to spend as much as they want. They just did, right? We know that the Fed is monetizing the debt. Jerome Powell said that on 60 Minutes a couple weeks ago. So that is the main mechanism that Fed action is flowing into the real economy. Is It's enabling governments to continue to spend beyond their means. Because there's not enough foreign capital, there's not enough domestic capital to sop up the treasury issuance. So the Fed is enabling it. Number three, there's there's a slight rule change a couple months ago in regards to treasury securities on bank balance sheets. Now before, it used to be a hit to what is called reserves. And that was part of the repo madness crisis was that banks ran out of reserves to fund domestic capital to fund the deficit that was back in September of last year and the Fed stepped in and they you know they, they did their, their their repo facility and, and kind of liquefied that market well in a crisis like in March in April the Fed changed the rules kind of like how they changed the rules to mark- to- market accounting back during the financial crisis and this new rule is, uh, will allow banks to lend more, right? They're not going to be constrained by lack of reserves on their balance sheet. Now, that's a positive, but there's a second-order effect that needs to happen. Banks need to lend, right? Excess reserves don't do anything unless the banks are out there making loans, right? Everyone talks about the Federal Reserve, but what's more impactful to the overall economy is if banks are actually creating money. They do, right? When they make a loan, they're creating money. And he reserves to do that, and they have that now, but will there be A, the willingness to lend, and B, the demand to lend? And if you look at the the latest survey, there's a survey from the senior loan officers that comes out at the end of each quarter. So the first quarter came out and, you know, it's not a full quarter of kind of the coronavirus shutdown, right? It's, we talked about this before, it's only about three weeks, right? GDP fell about 6% during that, that, that quarter overall. And what did it say? Well, banks are tightening standards on things like credit cards, auto loans, and commercial real estate. They're still lending when it comes to real estate loans in general, right? Your your single family, your GSEs, Fannie and Freddie, those type of loans, and the demand is kind of mixed. It's actually lower for C and I, consumer and industrial, lower for car loans, less people out there buying cars, which makes sense because you know a lot of people are losing their jobs. Higher demand for jumbo loans. Wealthy people, right? They're out there still uh, looking to buy expense, expensive properties. And just in general, the fact that real estate prices have gone up so much, more and more homes are pushed into that jumbo pricing category. Okay, So these are the factors that are going to matter to see whether this rally is justifiable. Will Congress stimulate enough, enabled by the Fed, and will the banks lend with the demand, right? If you're not confident in your future, whether you're a company or you're a an individual, you're not going to take out more debt, right? At least you're not going to try to. So that's something to continue to watch as This summer continues on a lot of variables at play with the reopening and stimulus and, uh, you know, headline figures. That's one thing that's really interesting when it comes to the, the, the stimulus and the jobs number is, you know, the fact that they kind of fudge the job number to look so good, it gives less certainty or less, uh, urgency for Congress to really stimulate. So I think that will be interesting as well. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. Summer is coming and are you prepared for the market swings and volatility? We should talk about this and your participation is as important as ever. So now I'm here ready to provide unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions at 8899 Chart.
2: You are listening to Invest Talk. We've seen the markets go up them down sideways and around it's called volatility and if you're a serious investor you'll have finance and investment questions for justin klein he's here now taking your calls live invest talk 888-99-CHART yes my name is brandon from louisville kentucky uh trying to get your input on capricor therapeutics capr I wonder what you thought about that and growth coming
1: up here soon. Thank you. All right, looking at Capricor Therapeutics. C-A-P-R is the symbol. They develop regenerative medicine and large molecule products to treat heart failure and other conditions. This is a biotech name, right? They've never made money. Uh, Well, I guess 2017, they... Somehow made money, but uh, they they have very little revenue. So I'm not sure how they made money in 2017. Last quarter they did $200,000 in sales, lost 30 cents a share. So I don't know enough about these these drugs, right? Uh, you know, anyone calls up about a specific biotech company, especially a small one like this, $66 million market cap you really have to do your due diligence on their their therapeutics what stage they're in uh, do a little more research to really understand where this may be going now the way that i would analyze this if you know w- without doing a, a deep dive is just simply look at the chart what does the chart look like well you've had a pretty big rally off about a dollar a share back in a beginning of april hit $11 a share at near the end of April and has come back into $4.66 at the close. And the chart actually looks really good. You know, you had the surge in late April and it's, it's come back uh, pretty dramatically, uh, found some support at the 50-day moving average it looks like, which right now is at about $4 and call it $0.10 cents a share. Is at 466? So, you know, that could be a catalyst uh, that catapults it to another surge higher. Now, is there news? What you know? What is the fundamental catalyst? I can't tell you, but I can tell you on the chart it looks pretty solid. Obviously, very high risk. Like I said, 66 million dollar market cap, very little revenue, is burning cash. At eh, call it six uh, trailing 12 months, six million dollars uh, negative free cash flow. Not extreme, um, but clearly there's there's a lot of risk. It's a it's a small biotech name, but the chart does look pretty good. Now, my main talking point today concerns an opinion from one analyst that who predicts that there are five tech stocks to watch as the market recovers from COVID nineteen, and he highlights a few. And I'll, I'll kind of give my overview of of the area where I think the 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 potential opportunities are. Uh, Because there's one specific subsector that uh, I really like overall and would be out there looking for entry opportunities. So we're going to discuss that. Also, for decades now, blue-collar workers have been offshored to China. But what about white-collar workers? Could the COVID-19 crisis be the start of White collar workers being outsourced. We're going to touch on that. Also, dividends, misunderstanding dividends and how they can actually damage a-, a company, and how to think about them overall in context. And then, lastly, if we have time, we're going to go over the Fed's Main Street Lending Program. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have posted an all new best of Invest Talk program. It's a condensed podcast and ready for your free download at InvestTalk.com. You can also find it on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Just search Invest Talk. And now I'm here and ready to provide unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions. We're taking your calls live at 888 99 Chart.
2: You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights. From the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter, listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions, 888-99-CHART. Let's
1: go to James in New York, looking at Sabra Healthcare REIT. you after that nice juicy 7.4% dividend.
2: Uh, yeah, I like it. I, have a ha- I bought a half position some time ago, and now I'm thinking of maybe okay. putting a little more into it if you feel maybe the dividend is secure. I hope that it is. Um, I was thinking of maybe doing that, um, adding to the position.
1: Well, I'll say this. So this is a REIT that's in the healthcare space, as the name uh, suggests. It's not the most profitable uh, in the industry, so uh, it's not my favorite, but I, I do like the space uh, overall. And, you know, their cash from operations continues to grow, but they've been growing through acquisition. And in order to do that, they've been uh, putting on a good amount of debt over time. Uh, now, it has pulled back here from a hit of the. It didn't, I guess it didn't get quite to the 200 day moving average, but it's certainly off its lows. It's going to find support again right around the 13 80 to $14 range. Uh, and that would be the area that I would be thinking about uh, if I was going to be adding to my position. Uh, you know, the, the dividend does look, look sustainable because of their consistent cash flow. But they are adding debt, and the big question is how much debt can can they sustainably carry? Uh, so I, I like it. It's not my favorite industry, like I said, but I like it. Thanks for the call, James. Let's go to Ken in Wisconsin, looking at Hertz. Yeah,
2: my question, Justin, is basically they filed for Chapter Eleven. Uh, what do you think? What do you think's gonna happen to him? I know like the stock just ran up like crazy because everybody thinks that there's a chance it might survive and shareholders might get something, but normally that doesn't happen. So I'm kind of curious on what you think about it and uh, moving forward. I bought some puts, and uh, I'm just trying to play that to see what happens.
1: I don't think there's going to be any recovery value for the equity holders. Uh, you know, they have a lot of debt, which means that they they need to somehow sell enough assets to cover the bondholders. And the bond prices, at least as of uh, I believe Friday, is last time I saw, were still in the thirty to forty cents on the dollar range. Which you know, the bond market's smart a lot smarter than the stock market. So it's telling me that Hertz is going to be this, that the equity is going to be worth nothing. Uh, so as long as you, I don't know if you shorted it or you bought puts, uh, as long as those puts are far enough out, I would say at least until January, maybe longer, I think you'll, you'll be fine. You know, this is crazy time. Like I said, with a lot of liquidity out there for your degenerate gamblers and, and bored. Unemployed that have a little extra coin in their pocket, they're throwing into the the Robinhood app uh, and just buying up the thing that's moving, right? And when that happens, when you get a lot of amateurs in the market that just go and chase performance, uh, you get days like yesterday where a lot of bankrupt or near bankrupt companies rallied, you know, hundred percent plus. Uh, so. I wouldn't you know the fundamentals remain that Hertz is going to go bankrupt it's going to be worth nothing so I think you're going to be good. Now, I made talking point today concerns an opinion from one analyst who predicts that there are five tech stocks that to watch as the market recovers from the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, we know that there's been a lot of optimism around the tech space and in fact the XLK, the Select Spiders technology ETF is up about 10% on the year, outperforming all the major indexes. And areas like PCs, notebooks, peripherals, anything around working from home, learning from home has received a boost and opened up avenues for growth companies that are already doing well. I think of Zoom, for example. And the long-term prospects of these companies is definitely promising. And this article highlights five of these companies. Let's see, it looks like two are chip names, two are cloud, actually one's a cloud name, and two are cloud security names. And... Actually, one of these names, I'm not going to tell you which one, is on my watch list to purchase. Actually, two of these are on my watch list to purchase, and they're around cloud security. You know, with more and more people working from home, that means it, you know, they're on maybe networks, their home network, random, maybe they go to Starbucks and work. They're on networks that aren't quite as secure as the one probably in their they're using when they're in their home office, or not home office, but office uh, that they normally work out of. So I think security is going to be even more important in today's world as, as people are working more and more on laptops and they're gonna, there's gonna be a need for an extra layer of protection to protect data, protect these systems that are now more dispersed right throughout the world as opposed to enclosed in one office. But I do think there's gonna be a large pullback in the tech space relatively soon. On the next Invest Talk, it looks like there is a hot new trend. Declare bankruptcy to make your stock pop. That's a story tomorrow, but for now I'm Justin Klein and I'm ready to take your questions live at 88 99 chart. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? Stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at hackerone.com. That's H A C K E R O N E.com. HackerOne.com.
2: You are listening to Invest Talk. June is underway, summer is coming soon, and the market has been interesting. So you'll have important finance and investment questions, and Steve and Justin welcome your calls now. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART.
0: Hey, this is for Justin. My name is Tony. Beginning of an episode a few days ago, you said you were going to talk about real estate and then never did. This case in particular, I was really looking forward to hearing your uh, kind of synopsis about short, mid, and long-term outlook for real estate. So if you can do it in a future episode, I'd appreciate it. Thank
1: you. Short, mid, and long. Well, short. I think overall, real estate is going to hold up decent right now. Uh, it obviously depends on which market. Every market's very different, right? I think high-end markets are, are going to have the most trouble uh, in the near term. Uh, you know, your Bay Area, your uh, anything on the on the coast, pretty much northeast uh, and the West Coast. West Coast definitely because of you know, lack of buying from China, for example. Um, but in general, I think it's going to hold up fairly well because of the low interest rates, uh, because of lack of inventory, and the fact that builders haven't overbuilt. So I think we'll, we'll hold up for a little while, and, and that the economic damage, like I said yesterday, tends to take a little while to feed into prices. So you know, going into next year, I think that's where you're going to start to see more of the weakness as the lack of demand starts to eat up the lack of uh, supply, right And more and more people will get confident with having people going through you know walking through their home if they want to show it. So more and more supply is going to come on. So medium term, I'm definitely more negative. Now long term, I think prices will generally go higher. But it's going to be very different going forward for the next 30 years than we've seen over the past 30 years. Why? Simple. Interest rates have gone from, you know, mortgage rates in the early 80s were in the high teens, sometimes in the 20s, right? You know, in in general, right? And maybe average in the 80s was probably high single digits, low teens overall. And now we're down to, what, 3%? I have a mortgage, my mortgage guy get, told me that he's still getting 2.875 and he thinks he might be able to get a little bit lower soon, which is pretty interesting. So how much lower can rates really go? I keep saying that, but I guess it can go a little bit lower. But in general, you're likely to see an uptrend in rates, which will be, instead of a tailwind to prices, will be a headwind to prices. You had this giant tailwind for 30 plus years of interest rates falling, falling, and falling. Now rates are going to either stay flat at best or rise. And so it's going to be up to income inflation, right? Income growth for real estate prices to rise because you can't just rely on cheaper credit in order to get payments lower. Right, you're gonna need people that make more money so they can afford the higher payments. So I guess that's my short, medium, and long term synopsis of real estate in this country. But every little market's gonna be different. Let's go to Herbert in San Antonio looking at CNP, which is center point energy.
0: Hi, Justin. Uh, Thanks so much for taking my call. I love the show. Big fan. And uh, yes, uh, I do have some stock in that uh, um, Mm -hmm. company. I've been researching them for a while. And I know it's always good to have a little bit of utilities under your belt or your portfolio. And I want to know what your Mm -hmm. thoughts are. I'm looking to invest in the long term with that company. Is it a good thing or not?
1: Well, this is not a pure play, a pure play Utility. I'll say that. That's why it's down so much, right? You look at its performance compared to the utility index, it's done much, much worse over the past year or so. And that's because the company, on top of its electric transmission and distribution service to more than 2.5 million customers in Houston, Southern Indiana, and West Central Ohio, they also have natural gas distribution systems in eight states serving approximately 4.5 million customers, uh, it also has a 54% stake in a midstream, enable midstream partnership, which is natural gas processing and storage facilities uh, for more than 2,100 miles. So what's happening here is the reason that they're having trouble is because they own such a big, uh, big portion of their assets is in this uh, midstream partnership. And the fact that oil prices are so low, this is, I've talked about this before, oil prices are so low, shale production's cutting off, and most of the reasons shale production is there in the first place is to get the liquids out of the ground. Liquids out of the ground. Gas tends to be a byproduct. And companies like this have built systems and infrastructure to move that natural gas, a byproduct of shale, to end markets. And now that shale production is being cut off or has been cut off, the Natural gas is also being cut off. So they have a lot of debt to finance all of that infrastructure, $15 billion in debt on a $10, $9.5 billion market cap. It's kind of a lot. Now, the fact that they have something to counterbalance it a little bit with a consistent business, uh, utility business, that's definitely a good thing, which may allow them to stay in business. The problem is, is that unless volumes come back and then and the natural gas side, they're going to need to take that excess money from the utility side, that, that profit, which is a regulated most likely, I have to look, but they're they're going to need to use that to pay down debt on the on the other side. Right? And that's the issue here. Now so it's not a pure play utility. You're kind of investing it in it as a limited partnership. And it's ownership there. In fact, that's 54% ownership in it. So, you know, I don't love it in that sense. And I think there's going to be a lot of volatility. I think oil is likely to bounce around between $20 and $40 for a while. Because of the lower demand... Uh, shale companies are are going to be increasing uh, production when prices rally like right now you're already hearing that that production is coming back on a little bit and if prices drop a little bit then they'll shut it off again and that's going to hurt center point energy so you know I just don't love it because of that complexity uh, and the debt on its balance sheet thanks for the call Listen to Invest Talk, I'm Justin Klein, and most of us realize that the resumption of this strong economic activity is going to take some time, and we're going to be here to help you decipher how the events are playing out in front of us, and we want to help you, and we want to help you achieve your retirement objectives, achieve your financial freedom objectives, and you can't let this crisis go to waste. You need to optimize your portfolio, so I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California, and we can help you. We want to help you. Now, whether you're a conservative investor edging closer to retirement, maybe in retirement, or you're a younger worker looking to get more aggressive, we have different strategies designed to achieve your financial freedom goals while managing the risk. To get started with a no-cost portfolio review, please call or send us a message through investtalk.com. And now I'm here, I'm ready to provide unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions. We're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART.
2: InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial. Talk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are the principals of KPP Financial and they are independent financial advisors. This means they place their clients' interests ahead of the firm's. As part of that commitment, KPP Financial practices parallel investing, where Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing and the other KPP financial programs at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now. 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART. Eight eight nine nine two
1: four two seven eight. We have about 50 minutes left in the show. So if you're going to call, you want to do it right now. Let's touch on outsourcing. Outsourcing. For many years, right, many decades now, you've seen blue-collar workers out being outsourced right to china to lower cost areas of the world why because globalization it was easy to set up production over there a lot easier at least uh, it was than it was decades before and staying constant communication to ship it ship products all over the world and that was a a trend now the big question is will employers start to outsource white-collar workers as well. If everything is done virtually through Zoom, why not outsource the work overseas to an area of the world that maybe speaks good English, has still have uh, enough skills, enough infrastructure technology-wise to get all the things done and pay them a fraction of the cost maybe there there's some some issues from time to time but if you have a core group that uh, here in America that can fix these issues right administration executives that can work through small issues it can make a lot of sense and before it was thought you know do you need that you needed team building, and and to allow this communication, you need to be in the same place. Now, not so much. So I could definitely see this being a trend overall for businesses. So what does it tell you? Well, it tells you maybe companies are going to become even more profitable, white-collar companies, They're going to start to benefit from technology and globalization even more. And if you are a worker, you need to make sure you're not... Make sure you're indispensable, right? That your job, your skill set can't be outsourced across the world. And this can also have political ramifications as well, right? You see that with... The Rust Belt, the big reason that Trump was elected was because the swing states were disenchanted with the system that, in a lot of ways, left them behind. And Trump, in their view, rightly or wrongly, was viewed as a remedy to that globalization problem. So, what would the next order effect be? I think will very be very interesting. So, uh, I thought I'd bring that up because I'm hearing from some business leaders that this is going to be a trend. Let's keep things moving. It's time. Let's get back to the Invest Talk Anytime listener line at eight 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 ninety nine
2: chart. Hey, Stephen Justin. Uh, my name's Chris. I'll take a look at a uh, position. Lidos Holdings. L D O S. Um
1: curious, to see what your take on it was in regards to the space that they're in, specifically, you know, focusing on uh, more government rather than the private sector in um, these times. Look forward to uh, your guys' opinions on the next show. Thank you so much. Bye. Yeah, I think somebody called in the past month or two uh, on this. Uh, Lidos. Holdings engaged in scientific engineering, system integration, technical services, and solutions to various government entities and highly regulated industries, including the Department of Defense, Intelligence Community, Brit- British Ministry of Defense, etc. I like the space. I really do. Uh, you know, this is a company that, and it's on my watch list, to be honest with you. I haven't bought it for clients or anything yet. But uh, $15 billion market cap, not a ton of debt, r- revenues growing in the low teens. Earnings are supposed to go 19% next year. Uh, Now, it's not without its 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 warts, but overall, I really like this space. You know, non-cyclical businesses, an area that will continue to uh, have money allocated to it, right? From systems, technical services, scientific, right? But we're not going to spend less money on science as a country. Yields 1. Two eight percent. Once again, it's not about that dividend. Oh, it's a one point two eight percent. That it's not that. That's a huge dividend. It's the fact that hey, they can grow that dividend over time, and they likely will. Uh, and once again, minimal debt, four billion dollars on fifteen billion dollar market cap, positive free cash flow. Definitely a fan. Uh, I would. You know, we're we're targeting. Area back around $80 a share that would be more exciting for us to get in. Uh, but I like what you're looking at and should be on your watch list. LDOS is the symbol. 88899 chart, 889924278. Let's discuss dividends. I know a lot of people focus on dividends. I get calls all the time, you know. That, Looking for, yesterday was a caller that was looking at a company that was yielding 20%, then they cut their dividend. And forward-looking, it was only yielding 3%. So after the break, I'm going to quickly go over how you should view dividends in context to the company as a whole, right? as a data point, and what that means for the long-term prospects of the business, of its ability to pay its shareholders as well as its employees and answer the question are dividends actually good for companies long term and why this is invest stock i'm justin klein and we have one goal here to help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom and we are going into our final break so if you're going to call you have to do that right now at 888-99-CHART
2: Invest Talk, is this the hot new trend? Declare bankruptcy to make your stock value pop. That story tomorrow. Now, Justin Klein is here taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888 99,
1: Chart. Now, for the past year or so, uh, a lot of corporate leaders, political leaders have come out to discuss that. Companies should start to, start to become beholden to all their stakeholders, not just shareholders. And who are stakeholders in, in a business besides just the shareholders? Well, bondholders, clearly, employees, people on the board, and the community that they operate in. These are all different types of stakeholders. There's been a lot of railing against stock buybacks, but Dividends are also a way that employers or companies return capital to shareholders. It doesn't have to just be stock buybacks. And a lot of leaders think that dividends are treated differently. And that there's some holy grail that they should not touch these dividends. That the income stream is important. Now, a lot of this has to do with income to pension funds, et cetera, but dividends are part of the total return of any investment, at least in, in the uh, stock market. Now, many people think that, oh, this dividend is some sort of free lunch. No, it's not. You know That money is coming out of the business either through cash flow and earnings or debt. And oftentimes a combination, right? Especially in today's world when so many companies are have leveraged balance sheets. And a lot of those companies worth with high dividend yields. That's what they're doing. They're adding debt on their balance sheet in order to pay that dividend. Now the alternative is to not pay a dividend. And then shareholders can create their own dividend, which is called liquidity, right? Stock price goes up, price goes up. All that money, all that free cash flow, the earning stays within the business. And management is allowed to deploy that capital effectively, hopefully, right? Profitably. If they aren't, they're bad leaders. So there's a fallacy about dividends that they are necessary for great long-term returns. And really what they do, I'll tell you what really they do. They can keep leaders from making bad acquisitions, right? Because they have, a lot of times when you don't pay a dividend, you have good business, you have a bunch of cash on your balance sheet, you go out and make expensive acquisitions, right? You empire build and you take on projects that are just simply not profitable or, or acquisitions that are not profitable. And that's the best thing that dividends do for companies. And they can get you into trouble as well, right? By adding on debt, sustaining a dividend that you really shouldn't, right? Because maybe there's the company or bit, or sector is in secular decline. And remember, companies can cut dividends at any time. And dividends oftentimes can prevent good capital allocation. A study found that buying dividend paying stocks when demand for dividends is high actually reduces investors' returns by two to four percent per year. Why? Because that's all they're looking at. You're just looking at the dividend yield. What you have to think about with say a company pays a three percent dividend yield. All you're getting is three percent of the value of that company back paid to you but it's taken out of the company. It's not created out of thin air. So once again, dividends are a part of the evaluation process. It's not a holy grail, it's one data point. It can be good, it can be bad, but you have to understand how it's paid in context and whether management is doing the right thing for shareholders. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I'll return on Thursday. CPs will be here tomorrow. And please remember to download our April bonus show podcast. We call it the Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour. It's free. Please tell your friends and family members about investtalk.com and the helpful resources on our website. Good night.
0: Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered and offered to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis